I want to start today by telling you about uh, a few years ago when I was getting ready to release my third book. Uh, I was at a soccer practice standing next to a friend, good friend, and he said, so what's your next book about? And I said, you really want to know? And he said, yeah. And I said, well, it's going to be a book about hell, not so much to prove the existence of hell, but to teach what the Bible says about how we need to help our friends and our families become Christians in order to avoid hell. And I thought he would jump right in and start talking, and he didn't. There was this long, this long awkward pause, and I said, so what do you think? And he was like, you really want to know? I was like, yeah. He said, we're friends, so I'm going to be gentle. He said, you know, the, if, if the Amish were one, and those alien abducting cults in New Mexico were a 10, what you're going to write about is a 12. He said, it's just completely whacked out. I said, it's not whacked out at all. He said, absolutely. Anybody that believes that anybody is going to go to hell absolutely is whacked out. I was like, listen, this is orthodox Christian teaching for the last 2,000 years. He said, I don't care. And I said, you know what? In fact, that Catholic church that you take your family to every two year or two times a year, you know, on Christmas and Easter, that's what they teach. And he was like, well, I don't believe anything that they teach. And I'm like, well, why do you take your kids to CCD to a place where you don't believe what they teach? Anyway, so we're having this conversation back and forth. And finally, he just started getting pretty belligerent and really making fun of me and the idea and how stupid it is and about how I just seem like a normal guy and I'm fun to hang out with. And the insults just, coming, just kept coming right and left and right and left. And suddenly, out of nowhere, I sucker punched him. Literally, you know, can you smell what the rock is cooking? I mean, I dropped him. He was hit the floor. I was like, I couldn't help myself. And I, suddenly I realized I am the first pastor in the history, history of Christianity to sucker punch someone straight to the ground in my mind, because I didn't hit him at all. I wanted to hit him. I wanted to hit him so bad, but I didn't hit him at all. You know what I did? I sort of stood there awkwardly for a moment, and then I said this this stupid joke. I was like, you want to know what's really stupid? Your face. (laughs) Such a stupid joke. It was the worst. I'm terrible at comebacks. Ask ask this stuff. Your face. Your face is stupid. And then he kind of made a laugh, and then as he walked away, he said, man, I got to go. As he walked away, he walked away with that sort of half-hearted, I'm leaving now, and our relationship is never going to be the same, Brian, ever, because you view me as someone that needs to be saved. We're in the middle of this series that we're calling Stop at Nothing, and what we're doing is we're going through one of my favorite books in the Bible, the book of Philippians. book of Philippians tells the story about how the apostle Paul is in prison awaiting news whether or not he's going to be executed or not. And while he's in prison, friends of his in a church called Philippi in Greece sent him money in order for him to eat. And while he's there, he grabbed Timothy and said, hey, I want you to send a letter back. And he sent a letter back with a guy named Epaphroditus thanking them. Now, in the middle of that letter, the Apostle Paul talks about this feeling of being judged 
as Christians, this feeling of being ashamed, this feeling of being belittled, of persecuted, and in fact, possibly facing martyrdom. So let's look at the passage that we're going to look at today. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20. And before we jump into that, again, I want to ask every single person that's watching to uh, download our church app and look at the scripture verse on the church app. You can get our church app by going to the Google Play or the App Store, look up CCV Mobile. Once you do that, you download the app, you look on the top right-hand corner, there will be a tab that says Bible, and it will bring up the passage we're going to look at right now. Philippians chapter 1, verse 20, the Apostle Paul continues in this letter by saying, I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or death. In other words, I eagerly expect and hope that when the news comes that I have a trial and I stand before the judge or Nero himself and I plead my case that I don't in front of everybody say, you know what, I'm not really a Christian You can just let me go. This was just a big misunderstanding. He's saying, I hope I don't do that. I hope I have the courage to stand tall and deliver the news straight, regardless of what's going to happen to me. So he continues in verse 21. He said, the reason I'm praying for this courage, that if I'm put into the situation where I might die, if I maintain my belief in Jesus, the reason I can have that courage is because for to me, to live is Christ. I, it, to me, I'm living in Christ right now, but to die is gain. That yeah, you know, if I go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. That if God delivers me from this possible execution that I'm going to face, I can go out and start more churches. But if he doesn't allow me to get out of it, then I'm going to be with Jesus immediately. It's a win-win situation. It's not a lose-lose situation. Yet, what shall I choose? I don't know, Paul says. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far for him, but it is more necessary for you, the Philippian church, and the other Christians that are all throughout the Mediterranean world, that I remain in the body. Because he recognizes that the leadership that he provides, the inspiration, the encouragement, and the direction to keep the church on the straight and narrow. Verse 25 says, Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. So that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. Whatever happens, Paul says, and he turns the direction of his talk towards the people in Philippi. Whatever happens, you need to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. In, in, the, in the same way that I, if I'm going to face the possible possible. Um, scenario of execution, you need to prepare yourself for the possible scenario 
of an execution and you need to handle yourselves in a way that's worthy of Christ. Whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then, whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm as a church in one spirit, together, striving together for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. Now, I want to point out two things about this passage. Number one, if it wasn't clear, I want to make sure it's very, very abundantly clear. Paul doesn't want to deny Christ to escape death. I eagerly expect, in verse 20, in hope, that I will in no way be ashamed, the assumption is, of possible execution. Paul was talking about martyrdom. He knew that at any moment the guards could come and grab grab him, take him down the hallway, and just cut his head off. He wouldn't be crucified. Church history tells us that Peter was crucified because he wasn't a Roman. Romans were not allowed to be crucified. So Paul, according to church tradition, eventually was martyred through having his head cut off. And so Paul knew that at any point that he could be pronounced guilty. And he's saying, I just want to make sure that I have the, cur- the courage to, to stand up if that's the case. But the bigger thing that I want you to notice is that Paul doesn't want the Philippians to deny Christ in order to escape death. Whatever happens, you need to conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel in the same way Paul's going to conduct himself worthy of the gospel if he's standing up in front of someone and has to give his testimony. What Paul is saying is that all I have to do is say, I don't believe in any of this, and I can get off scot-free. He would just walk away a free man. And Paul's saying that he didn't want to do that, and he didn't want the Philippians to do that. He wanted them to stand firm in the opposition that they were facing. Let me ask you this question, hypothetically. If someone walked up to you and put a gun to your head, and asked you to deny knowing Christ, or they would kill you, what would you say? Would you say that I'm a Christian, I'm not going to back down? Or would you say, I have no idea why you're you're thinking that, put the gun down? They're probably 50-50, what people would choose. Let me ask you this scenario. If the same thing happened to your kid, deny Christ or be killed, what would you tell them to say? I know what I would tell my kids to say. You tell them that you're Buddhist. You tell them you're Jewish. You tell them whatever whatever you can to get out of that situation because you shouldn't, as a kid, be put into that situation. But more importantly, it's just words. At the same time, you know, at the same time, is it just words? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 this, be on your guard, you will be handed over to the local councils and be flogged in the synagogues. On my account, you will be brought before governors and kings as witnesses to them, to the Gentiles. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. 
And so the question is, does Jesus mean that? Great spiritual writer Soren Kierkegaard would say, of course Jesus meant that. Kierkegaard said the Bible was very easy to understand, but we Christians are a bunch of scheming swindlers. We pretend to be unable to understand it because we know very well that the minute we understand, we are obliged to act accordingly. One of the big issues in the fourth century of the church was, do we accept back into the church people who, when they were persecuted and they were to the point where they had to claim Christ or die, they just said what I told my kids to say. I'm not a Christian. I don't know how you heard this. And they lived. And then once Constantine became the ruler and in 325 AD, 300 or more pastors all came together from around the Mediterranean world in what was called the Council of Nicaea. Nicaea is a small city in ancient Turkey. And together they crafted a creed. Creed comes from, uh, it's not the terrible band from the 90s. Creed comes from the Latin word. Credo means I believe and our I confess. And so they wrote the Nicene Creed. And what you need to understand is that the majority of the pastors that showed up in Nicaea to form that council to write that creed, the majority of them had suffered immense pain, isolation, and persecution. They were maimed, hands cut off, eyes missing, unable to walk. It was a unsightly crew that gathered. And so they asked the question, can you not confess Christ in the face of persecution and then be forgiven and brought back into the church? And the answer is, of course you can. You can be forgiven of anything. But the bigger question is, why would you? Now, if you're sitting there thinking, what in the world does this have to do with me? I just want to pause and say that for some of our brothers and sisters that are watching right now that are in northern India, they know very well what I'm talking about here. You become a Christian in one of our partner churches in northern India, the entire village will ostracize you because now you're a Christian and the rest of them worship the sun and the moon or they're Hindu. For them, it is very real. But for the vast majority of people that are watching us in Western country, what, what, what are you going to suffer from? Like, taking too long in the Wawa line? Like, the possibility of us getting into a situation where we're going to suffer, honestly, just isn't that real. It isn't that realistic, suffering for our faith. And so the bigger situation is this. Not are we going to die, but are we so committed to our faith that we are willing to put Christ first and die for it? Greater love has no person, Jesus said, than for someone to lay down their life for a friend. And if we're going to have that kind of love exude through us as Christ followers, then definitely our love for Christ himself would be even greater than that. And how does that come about? That comes about and is reflected in the way we talk, in our time, in our priorities. But more importantly, when we feel ashamed or ostracized because of our faith. Maybe it's not so much that there isn't suffering here in the United States. 
Maybe it's that there aren't holy Christians here in the United States. Maybe for the vast majority of non-Christians that are in our society, they've actually never seen a disciple of Jesus fully living out the way and the life and the teachings of Jesus. We have to honestly consider that as a possibility. Maybe the reason my neighbors and your neighbors are so nice to us, maybe the reason that the people that we rub shoulders with at restaurants, maybe the reason the people that we work with have absolutely no problem with our faith is because we don't live any differently from them. Once we start loving deeply and holding to the truth, and as it says in the, in the book of Peter, not rushing in and doing the same things that the non-Christians are doing, maybe then actually we would start to um, receive sort of the feedback, the negative feedback that the early followers of Jesus had in the first century. The apostle Peter said, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. That tenseness in our relationships, the, the awkwardness when I was fully describing to my friend a key Bible teaching and there, there obviously was that, was that tension to the point who was making fun of me. The apostle Peter says, you ought not act like this is something that is, that is foreign to you. That this is part of what it means to be a Christian. The reason this is such a big deal for us is that the people who are doing the ridiculing are the people who need Jesus. That there are many people watching right now that have a difficult situation right now in their marriage because one person is a Christian and the other person isn't. And the person that is a Christian is constantly made to feel less than. Maybe there is a parent that is trying to help their child. Maybe their child is at a university doing things that they shouldn't do. Or maybe they're grown and they're doing things that they shouldn't do and they want to help that child become a Christian. The Bible tells us that that awkwardness, that strain that you're feeling in your family is normal. Jesus said in Matthew 10 that sons will hate their fathers. Daughters will hate their mothers. That the family relationship, oftentimes when we're living out the gospel, will be strained. Not because we're jerks. Not because we're unkind. Not because we're critical and backbiting and judgmental. But because the gospel itself is confrontational. It causes people to assess where they are with God. I just want to close by saying this. Number of years, uh, a friend of mine asked, well, you go and visit my dad in the hospital. He's on his deathbed. And I, I love doing this. Um, people are open to the gospel. I've done it many, many, many times. I show up at the hospital. And this was a guy who made fun of me constantly. She, went, she was going to uh, the church where I served as a pastor. He, she was constantly telling me, all of the terrible things he said about me, all of the terrible things that he said about other Christians. I went and visited with him. I thought for sure being on your deathbed would cause his 
heart to soften, but that simply wasn't the case. So after about 15 minutes, I thanked him for the opportunity to meet with him. I said, would you give me permission to uh, pray with you? And he said, sure, if you want to. And then I prayed with him and left. And then when I got to the elevator, I thought, you know what? No, not on my watch, no. And I walked back into the hospital room. And I said, listen, Ray, you're dying, like today, tomorrow. The Bible says, whether you believe it or not, that you're going to be separated from God for all eternity. And so I'm going to do something right now. I'm going to beg you to become a Christian. I'm going to beg you, please don't harden your heart. I'm begging you. Your daughter is begging you. Your family is begging you. And I'm just bending over and just pleading with him. And then I look up and I see his eyes start to well up. And he told me to come here. And when I leaned over, he said, thank you for coming back for me. I want to do this. I want you to baptize me right now. Friends, I don't know what your relationships with your family members and your friends look like but they do not have an unended open license for all of eternity. At some point, the curtains on their life will close and they're gonna stand before God and the Apostle Paul is begging and pleading with you and me to tell them while there is still time that there is hope in Jesus, please, please follow him. Let's pray. Our God, we thank you so much for what you're doing through our community, the way you're adding new people to our family, and the way that you're helping us to stand strong as one community for the gospel. Help us to impact our friends and family with the teaching that there is a God, you love us, you have a plan for our lives, but we must surrender ourselves to you. Help us to share that in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to Brian Jones Sermons. For more information and to find similar articles on this topic and more, please go to Brian's website at brianjones.com.